here we are. Now, picture this. You're young, you're healthy, you're loving life, and you've just run your first marathon in LA, of all places. This is a huge item off the bucket list. You're high on life and you're spending some time in New York. However, the fears around the coronavirus mean that you have to cut your visit short and head back home to Australia, where you're actually looking forward to a few weeks of quarantine down in your country cottage. Then you start to develop flu-like symptoms yourself. You get the test results in and you've just tested positive for COVID-19. What do you do? Who do you call? How are you feeling? This is a situation that faced Kieran Ryan. He shares his journey of what it's like to contract the coronavirus, recover from it, and then come out the other side. We also discuss why the hell he likes to run ultra marathons and the power of checking in on your mates. I also want to let you know that in this conversation, we cover off material of a sensitive nature like mental health and suicide. If any of these topics are distressing to you, or if you know someone who might need some help, please contact Lifeline on 13 11 14 or check out some of the links in the show notes. Let's do it. And now listening to The Dusty Allen Show. Welcome to The Dusty Allen Show. Kieran Ryan, welcome to The Dusty Allen Show. Mate, thanks for having me. Um... Geez, my face lit up when I saw uh, that neon little graphic uh, and your mug come through my Instagram feed, mate. And what a bloody, what a good episode with uh, Maddie last week. Shit, she can talk and she can tell a story, mate. Um, I think most people out there have fallen in love with Tex, the big fella. Um, yeah, what a rooster. I think we could, uh, there could be, you know, we might, I might need to track him down and just see if he can verify some of the <laughs> stories that she was talking. He sounds like a, I know she put a photo up on the Instagram, but um, yeah, he sounds like a bit of a too good to be true sort of guy. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised uh, if he'd uh, bring the house down on, you know, farmer wants a wife or something like that. And he sounds like he's made for reality TV. I, I reckon there's definitely an episode in that. Maybe you could bring Maddie on as a surprise guest just to surprise the big fella. Yeah, mate. I think there's something uh, something in that. <laughs> now, where are, where are, where are you at the minute, mate? You, are, I'm, I guess, are you not in Melbourne? Mate, not in Melbourne. Um, I'm out here uh, in the Grampians. Actually, I bought a place uh, over a year ago now, Dusty. Um, I'm, I grew up in Stall, like literally 20 minutes down the road, and had always had the dream of buying something um, close to home. And as my running adventures sort of started to take a more mountainous route, um, Halls Gap seemed like a pretty good place to buy. Yeah, right. Well, I think, yeah, I'll, I'll have to check my my uh, outbox or my junk mail because I think the invite for me to come down there is must be in there somewhere, <laughs> mate. Um, yeah. Mate, there's... I'll, um, I'll, I'll keep an eye for that one. I'm, uh, I'm planning a little something when, uh, when all this blows over, mate, um, which, yeah, there'll definitely be an, <laughs> an invite landing your way um yeah it, it should be it should be fun i've got a little plan to um put a deck on on the back of the house here it's not much of a house um but it's something that i love and i'm just sort of chipping away at but yeah there'll be there'll be a deck built out the back i'm envisioning maybe a food truck a couple of portaloos um and a dj on the deck just to to celebrate a few things dusty um and just to bring a group of good people together to to have a tin once this all blows over 
Oh, mate, well, you know that I'll show up to the opening of an envelope, mate. So, yeah, <laughs> just even if I get a whiff that there's something happening uh, out there, I'll, uh, I'll be there. Now, you've, you've actually covered a few Ks in in the recent months. So I recall you, you've just come back from overseas or overseas last month. Yeah, mate. Um, yeah, ran the LA Marathon, went over with... Um, with uh, yeah, two good mates, Andy Sargent and, and Riley Wolf. Um, yeah, the three of us started started Hunter, and um, they sort of were, were talking to me late last year about running the LA Marathon. Uh, I've never run a marathon before, Dusty, um, and they're like, "Mate, it's a good marathon. It's a good energy. It's it's fun." And then uh, I think I just caved to peer pressure for one of the first times um, ever that wasn't on a Friday night to have a beer. Uh, I think it was the cyber <laughs> sale that that got me. Um, yeah, got me across the line to go and run. But yeah, spent some time in LA, ran the marathon. Um, it was everything the boys told me it was going to be. It was good fun. It was bloody tough at some stages, but it was like a yep. um, like a block party, mate. Um, you know, that energy and, and vibe that you get at the top of Mount Wellington run when you run the point to Pinnacle. Um, it was like that times times a million for the whole course. Uh, and then I spent some time in, in New York, um, went over to see some friends and, and then work out of our... November office over there, Dusty. Yeah, yeah, right. And like, how long were you over there in, in total? For? Uh, well, mate, f- <laughs> funny question. I cut my uh, I cut my trip short. Actually, we um, do some work with the New York City Police Department in um, in America. The team do um, with November, and one of the um, one of the most sisters over there in the office came back and um, said, "Oh, I've just left this meeting, and um, yeah, the boys in blue are." running scenarios of closing the city and, and shutting the bridges and um i think that sort of put the wind up me a little bit as coronavirus was starting to to take off um yeah really take off globally and, and certainly in, in new york and um i was riding back to my my friend's house uh or apartment i should say that i was staying with and i was just riding a city bike down basically the middle of fifth avenue and those people that are familiar with new york like it's you're not riding a bike down the middle of fifth avenue um just because there was there was no one out and about and I went through Times Square and mate, I probably counted 20 30 people um, in Times Square and, and that was a big realization that um, yeah coronavirus or COVID-19 was um, yeah it was this thing that was starting to I guess ravage the world um, so I jumped on a flight mate and got out of dodge I guess you could say but um, yeah I came home with a little something dusty that didn't get picked up at customs mate um, and there was nowhere on a form to tick the box, but I didn't know at that stage. But I came back with the old COVID-19, or as I've dubbed myself, mate, covid kids. So you, you, you test, how did you, were you feeling crook on the way back? Or like, were you one of those people they talk about being like asymptomatic? Or like, can you give me kind of like, and I don't want to sound like I'm on 60 minutes here <laughs> or anything like that, but like, give me some Not sort weird. of, like yeah, well, who, dares, <laughs> um, who dares wins? Wasn't he Mike Whitney? That's the one. Yeah, Mike Munro Mike Munro. might have been the uh, Mike Munro. That's the one. <laughs> uh, sounds like the twelfth man. We keeps getting the bloke's uh, the bloke's <laughs> name wrong. Um, so give me an understanding of the the timeline because I know that's a, a bit of a buzzword at the moment. But you thought, okay, I'm gonna piece out of of New York City and came home. Like, what? Explain to me the next the days after that, or hours, days, weeks after that. Yeah, pretty crazy. Like, um. My sister, um, she's my she's my travel agent. She um, yeah, she manages a, a flight center store, and um, she's been lucky enough to to keep her role. Um, they've made thirty eight hundred people redundant um, 
in this time and she's been lucky enough to to keep her um, to keep her job so I was emailing my sister um, not frantically but just sort of putting the feelers out um, you know can you get me on a, an earlier flight things are starting to like escalate here and um, in my head I thought oh if I happen to get this thing I'd much rather be home in Australia um, with our healthcare system than say stuck in my mate's um, apartment um, and sort of you know, having to, to deal with it. And when we changed the flights to get me home um, a bit sooner, my friends actually um, went down to their holiday house at the Hamptons. And I thought, oh, I reckon I've cocked up here because being down at the Hamptons, locked in the States, is is probably pretty good. Um, yeah. But it was interesting going to the airport and um, you, really, you really noticed, I guess, the anxiety around... <clears throat> coronavirus at the airport um like most people would have seen the memes getting around with with people just with random things on their head as face masks and and shields like i yeah. literally saw a person with um oh looked like one of those old mount franklin um like water bottles that like old officers used to have like that a person had one of those on their head um it was really interesting the the ground crew and then the flight attendants there was like a not a not a rush, but they obviously needed to clear the gate, and people were taking so long wiping down their seats and their tray tables. And I remember standing in the aisle, just being a bit um, a bit taken back. I could, I guess you could say, by the lengths that people were going to like sanitize. Is this is this passengers or passengers, staff? mate? Yeah, passengers. Um, the staff were trying to hurry people up to get them in the seats, and I threw uh, I threw my mask on, um, slapped a bit of sanitizer on the hands, and sat down and got stuck into some entourage um, episodes. But it, it was funny, like I landed, um, yeah, I landed on the 15th of March and because I'd cut my trip short, I still had some annual leave. So I thought, well, I may as well come back, um, come out here to the cabin and I can make the, the most of my remaining days off with some running and riding, um, some stuff that I probably don't do enough of when I'm, when I'm down here or have the opportunity to do. So I basically spent like a good seven days um, running and riding out here. Um, and I was like, I felt a little lethargic and I just probably put that down to having just run a marathon, um, bit of international travel, had a couple of beers when I was overseas, didn't go too crazy, but um, yep. like it was just more so, I had a little bit of a runny nose, a bit of a cough. Um, and then I did a run with a few friends on on a Sunday and, I was just very lethargic getting out of bed and um, I almost pulled the pin and it was raining outside and I thought, oh, I can't pull the pin. I thought, like, I'm the one that's organised this run. So there was four of us that um, four of us that went for this run and um, it was before, like, physical distancing was, like, brought in. Um, right. So, so are we talking, like, late March here or, like, mid-March? Oh, it would have been, like, would have been, mid, would have been mid-March. It was – I flew in, on a, flew in on a Friday, so it was probably – it was probably like the seventeenth of March, um, and I got in. Uh, I got in a day before um, the Morrison government introduced like the fourteen day isolation period for anybody returning from overseas. So I technically, like, I didn't need to be in isolation, but took it upon myself just to really distance myself from um, yep. from any, from anybody really. Like, there's no hugs, there's no handshakes, there's no high fives or anything like that. So much so that. Um, like I haven't, I've only seen my parents through a glass window since I've been um, been home, and yeah, got back from got back from the run, and I was just dead tired, Dusty, and um, 
laid down, had a little bit of a nap, and um, that night when I went to bed, I've never like I've never really had a fever or a fever that I could remember, but I was just um, I was just so cold uh, and I was shivering in bed, and it felt like felt like my mates had hijacked my bedroom and were just like shaking my bed. Uh, and I, I remember when yeah. I was falling asleep, thinking that, gee, this is really like this is weird. Um, and then I woke up in the morning and I sweated through my sheets and um, I thought to myself, oh, oh, this isn't, this isn't good. And oh, what is that? Where, is that your first that was, moment where you actually th- thought, hang on here, you know, you could you could have coronavirus? Yeah, yeah, sure was dusty. That like right then and there when I woke up, I thought to myself, shit. I need to get tested here. And that in itself was like a really interesting, um, a really interesting thing um, of, of, you know, like going to get tested. Um, being out here in um, like a regional, a regional community, I, I touched base with um, the local doctor's clinic and said, hey, I, uh, I'm feeling, you know, like feeling um, a couple of symptoms and whatnot. Yes, I've just returned from overseas and um, GPs obviously don't have you in clinic. Um, you're too much of a, of a risk if you do confirm, yeah. like you're yeah. a confirmed case. Um, so then they give you the number to like the COVID hotline. Uh, I gave them a buzz and the line was down, um, obviously with like an influx of calls. So couldn't ring the hotline. Um, had found out that they were doing um, like tests down um, in Horsham. It's like a, a regional center. Uh, it's about an, yep. an hour round trip from here in Halls Gap and I rang the what's called the COVID clinic. Uh, I called them and <laughs> um, and just basically told them my story. You know, like I've been overseas. These are my these are like my symptoms. Um, yeah. What do I need to do to be tested? And they said, what you need to do is you need to get a referral from a doctor. And I thought, oh, fuck, I've just I've just tried to get into a doctor. The doctor wouldn't see me. They've put me onto this hotline. Hotline's no go. Like I've sort of backdoored contacting the clinic and. Um, I was like, right, I need a referral. Shit, I can't get one like where I am here um, in Halls Gap. And the people that I spoke to here were, were amazing, Dusty. Everyone was through the whole process. So um, yeah. I picked the phone up and um, called the clinic in, in stall. And funnily enough, um, like my high school girlfriend's mum is the receptionist at this clinic. And she's like, how are you? I've seen you've been overseas. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty good, thanks. Um I just need a referral to get this uh, COVID-19 uh, test. And she goes, oh, shit. Um, yeah, you're like, sorry, no time for small talk. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd love to catch up and uh, and shoot the shit. But, yeah, I've got sort of bigger, more pressing issues at the minute. Yeah, and I said to her, I'm like, I've been told that I need a referral. And can like, I, obviously doctors won't like won't have me in. Can we do like a teleconference? What can we do? And um you know, being like a small town, there's not many doctors. So the doctor that was on was under the pump, and she's like, "Leave it with me. I'll give you a bu- like, I'll I'll give you a buzz back. I'll like, I'll get this under the doctor's nose." So sitting there, and a couple of hours went by, and I'm like, "Oh no, this is. I've got to be able to go and get tested." So I called the clinic back and spoke to a different person there, and had given them the rundown. Oh, yep, I've just returned from New York. This is my symptoms, and uh, I felt like I was on repeat, Dusty, for this day, to be honest, mate. Yeah. And um. She's like, oh, no, come down and get tested. You don't need a referral. So I was like, you beauty, jump in the car. Um, as I'm sort of driving into town to get on the highway to go to Horsham, the clinic calls and says, we've got 
we've got you your referral. We've sat it outside under a stone so you so you what? can pick it up so you don't have to come into. Um, no, sorry, they were talking about putting it under a stone. They had it in the back of like the letterbox because um, they're like, come pick it up, but um, you can't, obviously can't come into the clinic. I was like, yep, that's totally fine. No worries. So in my head, I'm like, right, I don't need this referral, but I've got to go and get it because they've, you know, they've busted, um, they've busted their back to to write one for me. Um, yeah. Yeah, to get me to to get me the referral. So I pick the referral up, get down there, and um, mate, it was like a scene out of. Um, Contagion, and I watched like World War Z, Contagion, <laughs> Outbreak, like all this stuff in those seven days. Um, and then I walk into the COVID clinic and like it's head to toe PPE and you're sort of taken back before you can even enter. It's like... Is it a setup? Is it a setup? Is it So it's a normal clinic that's just been changed to like a, a COVID one or like what sort of... What is it when it's not a yeah, so it's at, COVID um, clinic? It, they're basically like blocked off a wing of um, like the Wimmera Base Hospital. Um, so that's right. like the, the clinic for this region. Um, so it's, yeah, you, you, you jump in there and there's like hand sanitizer at the door, face mask at the door before you're even allowed to, to come in. Um, you're standing in 1.5 meters away from the nurse that's taking your details. Um, and then the, the doctor takes you through and sort of runs, you know, runs through where you've been, your symptoms. Um, and really interesting, um, like they're, they're testing a lot of people here in Australia compared to elsewhere in the world. And I had a great conversation with the doctor. Um, he was born in Brighton, lived in Richmond. Um, we connected sort of sort of instantly. I um, just sort of checked in with him and said, mate, how's like, how's your day going? And um, he's like, well, oh, geez, I really need to go to the toilet. And I was like, oh, mate, go, like, go to the toilet. Like don't, don't, you know, like don't feel like you've got to swab me whilst you're, you know, holding your bladder. Um, and we just like, we connected really well, Dusty. And he said, you know, there's a lot of people that are coming in wanting to be tested, but there's key, like key criteria that you have to hit to, to get a test. And he's like, you, you hit all this, you hit all the criteria. Um, and in my head, I was thinking, oh, that's good. And then I went, oh no, that's, that's probably bad. Yeah, it's not, not good. <laughs> that's, that's probably bad. And um, yeah, it's like a nose swab that they swab your throat and then they use that same swab and jam it in both your nostrils. Um and I, I said to the doctor, I said, mate, I don't know why anyone would be like lining up to get this this swab because I reckon he tickled my brain. Um, oh. And when he pulled the swab out, like he he got it in there. Um, it just brought all this blood out with it. And um, I've sent the photo oh. to like a few mates. So he gives me the rundown that uh, the health department, um, the health department would contact me in, in four to seven days. And um, if I hear from the health department, it's going to be a confirmed case. But if I hear from the COVID clinic, I'd be, you know, hunky-dory and Bob's your uncle sort of thing. So just just one thing, with that, the swab they stuck up up your nose, mm. is that normal if you stick it up that far to have blood or is that a symptom of... Mate, he didn't, of, he didn't say, like, he um he apologised when he pulled it out. He's like, oh, he's like, sorry, mate. And I was, like, I was fine with it. I was like, yeah, no worries. And I've got tears, like, streaming down my cheeks and... My nose is just bleeding everywhere and I put the mask, you have to put the mask back on straight away sort of thing. So the mask's gone on and eyes are all watery and he gives me the rundown of sort of what happens next and the next steps. And I remember walking out into the waiting room and there was a few people in the waiting room and they all just looked at me like they'd seen a ghost. <laughs> and uh, I get to the car and I look in the rear view mirror and my eyes are bloodshot, they're super watery. 
my mask is covered in blood and these people in the waiting room were probably thinking, oh no, this poor bloke's been like sent to croak or something. He's yeah, straight off, buddy, 28 days later or something. Yeah, you know, like, you've got the, it's, oh, got the shit, virus, like, mate. Here it is. Um, so I saved the COVID clinic's number in my phone, Dusty. So I was like, right, if this number calls, I'm in the clear. This is great. And um, yep. yeah, four days later, and basically once you're, t- and this is like, this is a really interesting thing. So, the health department, um, they're that well set up in looking after um, not only the individual that has been tested, but also looking after the wider community. So as soon as I was tested, it's you're on lockdown until you hear from us, whether that's a green light or a red light, but you're now effectively on lockdown. You're not allowed to leave the boundary of your property um, yep. until you hear yay or nay. And yeah, to four days later, my phone rings and um, it flashes COVID clinic and I'm here in the cabin and I'm a little late and Hewlett's like, yes, come on. Yes. Like, yeah, <laughs> yes. And uh, I answer the phone and you just, you know, when you have those conversations where, um, oh, you know, like you might be breaking up with a girlfriend or someone's delivering you shit news and you just go, oh, I know where this is going. Um, yeah. And I just sort of paused on the phone and, I said, look, we um, believe you came down. You were tested on this date. Yes, that's correct. Um, They're like, we just would like to let you know that you've returned a a confirmed test to coronavirus. The health department's going to be in touch with you. And I I like cut them off, Dusty. Um, I just said, hey, I'm like, can we just take a pause for a moment? I just want to, I want to check in with you guys. Like, how are how are you going? And they, they, it was it was really weird. They um, they're like, can we can we confirm that? You heard we said positive. And I said, yeah, yep, I totally got that. I'm yep, well aware. I just want to check in with you guys and find out, you know, how you're going. Um, and, you know, they were like very appreciative of that. Um, and I said, you know, let's just make this the best experience for <laughs> for you and, and for me here. Um, and then, yeah, true to form, the health department called. Oh, mate, it was almost as if they were communicating with each other. Yep, we've spoken to Kieran. Um, call him now. Uh, basically, I hung up and the health department called and same thing as the COVID clinic, mate. Like the the lady, um, Catherine, the lady that I, I spoke with, I guess she was my case manager. Um, mate, she was one of the most amazing um, humans I've, I've spoken to. I ended up speaking to her uh, every second day and, and the COVID clinic, um, they would basically call me every day or, or every second day. So, you know, Every day of the week, I was hearing from a health professional um, that was, you know, checking in how I was going. Um, but, you know, that health department was so good in in outlining, um, like, the next steps of the next 14 days, what I need to do to um, to be cleared of, um, of COVID-19. Um, they sent through some amazing uh, PDFs. Mate, I don't think I've ever been as excited to read a PDF, to be honest. Um, <laughs> you know, what to do and what not to do. Um yeah. So, well, mate, was, what, what was what was the so when they told you that you were positive? Mm. Like, and I'm and I say this because I want to get some context here because like I I woke up with a headache and some sniffles this morning and I'm like shit. Yeah. You know, and I was like, have, did I touch something at the shops or something like the other day? Then, you know, it's like that feeling of you've lost your wallet times a thousand. Because mm. then I, I was like, oh, okay, like it, 
a side note, I'm fine. And, you know, it was just a hay fever and stuff. But did you get any, like, once, as soon as that news was dropped on you, did you have any, like, physical feels or what, what went through your mind at that point in time? Uh, but it was interesting. Like, I, um, I sort of, I don't think the gravity of, of what it was really hit me and, and yep. until, a, until a couple of days after, to be honest. And, um, I just sat before I picked the phone up and, and called my parents. Um, and I just, I sat there for a moment and I thought about it. And, and this is probably, this is quite weird. You know, I was talking to, um, like our mate, Tommy Windsor down in, um, down yes. in Tassie. I, you know, I, I spoke with, um, obviously spoke with my close group of mates, um, that I've sort of half grown up with, um, my parents, Riley and Andy. Um, and yeah, Tommy's and, and obviously like the work crew, um, yeah, not long after I, I got the news, but um, I remember talking to Tommy and after getting that news, like I, I sat, I guess, in reflection of it, Dusty. Um, and I, for a moment there, and I, I still feel like this now, um, and it's probably easy to say now that I'm recovered from it, but I was pretty grateful, Dusty, to be honest. Um, mm. I thought, you know what? Better me than my parents or better yep. than me, better me than my grandparents or better me than somebody that's elderly that, that might have a rougher trot um, at getting over this thing than me. And I think that I think that mindset put me in a good stead, I think, Dusty. Like I had had a couple of days, mate, when I was down in the pits and had some <laughs> some pretty dark thoughts, but I didn't mm. – um, it wasn't a feeling of shock. Um, like I, I, I didn't laugh, but it was more like a, <laughs> oh, fuck, like that um, – like that sort of reaction to it, yeah. to be honest. Um, and then calling my parents and, and telling them. Um, well, How'd they take it? Mate, they're, they're both bloody troopers, my parents. Um, dad was dad was very much, and, and so was mum, very much like, all right, cool. What are, what are the next steps? What do we need to do? Yeah. Um, when mum sort of fell a bit silent on the phone and, I was like, "It's mum, it's all right. Like, don't, don't stress. It's all good. I'm okay. I'm like, I'm fine." She goes, "Well, we're gonna come out and see you," and I'm like, "Automatic. That's like mum's out of office auto reply. We're coming to we're, coming to help. Yeah, like yeah. we're coming to help." And um, like most mums, mate, like they just bloody love their kids and and dads. You know, they just want to wrap their arms around you and <laughs> saying to mum, "No." You're not coming to see me. If you do, we're going to wave to each other through the glass because that virus that everyone's talking about on the news and in the papers and on social media that is killing people, I've got it. That's me. I'm this the. Is it. I'm like a loaded gun. You don't. You don't want to come and see me. I want you to stay as far away as, as possible. Um, and it's interesting, like telling, uh, yeah, telling telling my close mates. Um, Mm. yeah about it you know um mixed reactions um all you know all champion reactions like a couple of boys i think tried to throw a bit of humor into it and they're like oh jesus shit are you scared uh you know hindsight probably not the greatest thing to to throw at somebody <laughs> that's just been uh tested positive this thing that the world has never seen before um yeah mate and what it when you you know you you left the clinic. You went home. Like, were you able to? Did you have to get people to bring you food, or were you allowed to? You weren't. I'm guessing you weren't allowed to go get food and stuff. Like, how did you? 
manage like the next or the, the 14 days or you effectively would have been in quarantine yes yeah dusty like not allowed to leave yep. um yeah not leave not allowed to leave the the boundary of your property and um i'm quite lucky here that like the block's 100 meters long so um you know it's a, it's a 200 meter circuit um yep. not that i was up to up to running <laughs> um but yeah my parents um when i told them i was coming home earlier they sort of said to me is there anything you need we'll load up the cabin for you so I was, in a, yep. I was in a good spot there and um, I did go to the supermarket when I got home just to grab a few things. Um, and that's, a, that's the other thing like I'd love to chat to you about, Dusty, is just like the, the contact tracing that the, the health department do and um, like how important that is. But basically, mum and dad would come out um, and drop supplies to me. Um, yeah, so basically anything I'd needed that they'd bring out. And there was only a couple of days where... Um, they wanted to come out, but I was just in the horrors and probably didn't want them to see me um, yeah. Yeah, like that. Um, and then another good friend of mine um, who I've been friends with for a lot of years and um, she actually helped when I ran my first ultra marathon. Um, she was back in town for a little bit. Um, so, yeah, she brought out some some groceries, the legend. Um, yeah, so, mate, I had – yeah, I, I was well I was well looked after out here, but um, – just that that point on the the contact tracing um, it's really interesting um, the the other thing that sort of took me by surprise is like obviously the information is is readily available that there's confirmed cases in areas and um, I remember jumping onto social media and seeing the local newspaper had run an article that saying that there was the second confirmed case of coronavirus in the area um, yeah and I was like oh that's like that's pretty informative that's good for the community um, and then I looked at the image and the image was of a vial of blood that had coronavirus on it. And I looked at the image and I'm like, well, that's wrong because they're not testing your blood to, to see if you've got coronavirus in it. It's a, it's a nose swab. Um, so I was like, well, that's that just like that image there is like is wrong. And, um, mm. you know, you talk about clickbait. Um, and then I just started reading some commentary around that Dusty and um, like, like the comments on the yeah. on the post and those sort of things. Yeah, like the comments that people were writing on the post. And to be honest, mate, I had to stop. Um, I had to stop reading that um, mm. because some of the some of the commentary, like, um, wasn't like it wasn't great. Um, knowing that you were like you are that person that um, yeah. they're inquiring about, and this is this is something that I think um, you know you're obviously. Um, privy to information and education when you test positive. So there's a world of information that just gets thrown at you and very quickly you're, you're upskilled and versed in what this thing is, um, what you need to do um, and like the measures around that. So anybody that, um, anybody that returns a, a positive test, well, they're on home lockdown. So they're not out roaming the streets where some commentary was, mm. oh, we need to know if we've come into contact with them. Well, the health department does that good of a job of tracking where you've been. And one of the questions they ask you is, okay, where have you been from the time you landed back in the country to the time of you having your test? So yeah, I basically just looked up my like bank card um, activity and I had written a list of all the places that I've been to, anybody that I'd had a face-to-face conversation with. And um, literally you go you go through that line by line. The, the health department asks... Um, the health department asked Dusty, you know, um, was your flight delayed? What was your seat number? Did you go to the lounge? Were you at airport parking? Did an Uber pick you up? Like, it is so thorough. 
Um, yeah. And those people that, um, you know, those people that need to be contacted that you've you've come into what they call close contact with, they're they're contacted and they're notified. Um, and it's interesting, um, in a sense, to not to not to stop fear and panic, but um, you know, they had said to me, "Please don't contact, um, please don't contact people that you've been in close contact with until we make the decision." if they do need to be contacted or not contacted because we don't want to... Well, that was going to be my next question. Yeah, if you yeah. get in... So they, they preempt that and they say, just hold fire on that one. Yeah, they say, like, put, put the handbrake on. Um, and, mate, it's probably... To be honest, it was the only rule of theirs that I broke. I um, I thought, you know, like, oh, fuck, I can't have the health department call one of my mates um, out here and say, oh, hey, you've... We believe you've come into contact with Kieran Ryan and he's just returned a positive test, so... I picked the phone up and, and called him and, you know, he just hit me that auto reply, can I call you in five or whatever it is? And I uh, sent him a text message back. And I'm like, don't be alarmed. Just letting you know this is like what's happened. And he called me He called me back straight away and um, yeah. like just true to form, mate. Like like my mate, um, he was like a rock star. First question he asked yeah. is like, how are you? What can I do for you? Where I was asking him, I'm like, yeah. mate, are you okay? What do you need? Like, what can I organise? <laughs> like that sort of thing for you. So, the health department looks after not only the individual but the wider community. I think, um, I think some people think that um, if you've returned a positive case, you're out walking and roaming the streets and having yeah. a good time. Like that, that's not the case, Dusty. Being, ir- I suppose, yeah, being being irresponsible and yeah. having a good, and or maybe even being unaware that you that you have it. But I suppose there's an element in that, like it would be very weird to get. Uh, so do they phone people up? Is it a phone call they do? Yeah, it is. Yeah, so they um they jump on the phone. The same like uh, Catherine was her name. Um, the lady that that worked with me. Um, yeah, she picked the phone up and she called uh, my friend as well and. Um, yeah, and he had to go into he had to go into lockdown um, himself for yeah for fourteen yep. days. Um, yeah, he's all he's all clear. Um, mm. He's yeah he's fine. Well, there's a, there's an element to that. Like it'd be very weird, I suppose, to get a message or going, hey, such such this person you know is a good friend has tested positive because my mind would go to well if they're that good a mate, why didn't they tell me? You know, and there's the element of it it would appear not that it is the case that you know being like dishonest or you got something to hide or just you know what i mean like when you hear like anything if you hear stuff from a third mm. party you're like oh why didn't they why didn't they tell me and stuff but mate it was so, a tough conversation to have like i um you know like i felt guilty and um i felt guilty and i hadn't i hadn't done anything wrong dusty you know the, the only thing yeah that i had had done wrong was um just had a conversation with a mate out on, out on my uh, my deck here, you know. And when when you like had those conversations, was this like in the immediate days after you got your positive totally, diagnosis? I, um, yeah, I called my mate that I was in close contact with. Um, basically, as soon as I got off the phone from the health department, um, yeah. yeah, I wanted him to know ASAP because he was also, um, you know, at at this stage. Um, he he does work that's not you know he's not in contact with a lot of people but yeah I just wanted him to know ASAP and funnily enough um, the day that I called him was also the day that his workplace decided that they were all going to work from home so um, yeah timing just worked really well there Dusty 
And when you were sort of, I suppose, in the thick of it, mm. does you and yeah, you know, we've we've had like many a, many a conversation about all sorts of various things. But does your mind maybe go to places that you didn't think it may go when you're confronted with and okay, a couple of things like do you did you kind of tune in more to say like social media or like the news or did you want to sort of like just tune out and like where did where did your mind go when or what thoughts you what were the first things that came to mind yeah mate like i um i just i'm a pretty positive person um pretty upbeat um but yeah the mind wavered dusty like i uh i i made the decision that the only information i was going to consume around yep. coronavirus or COVID-19, that was that I was only consuming information that came from the health department or came from yep. the COVID clinic um, because they're the, like, they're the gurus, they're the specialists, they're the ones that mm. were looking after me. Um, you know, Channel 9 News and um, what, uh, what is getting jammed up on social media, I didn't really see that as um, valuable information for me to be consuming yeah. when I was like I was in the thick of it you know I um, mm. which is interesting because some nights um, you know when all your mates have sort of gone to bed and you're not you're not texting anyone or you're not you're not on the mm. you're not on the phone and there's a lot of days where um, I just didn't have the energy to um, to talk to anyone dusty I'd, I'd turn my phone off yep. um, after I sort of said good night to my to my parents and then um, I'd turn around in the morning knowing that they would be ringing to like check in. Um, yeah. But I would, yeah, I would, I would turn it, um, I'd turn it off dusty just because I just didn't find it um, like beneficial or, um, or, or healthy. Like there was a few nights there where, you know, everyone's asleep, but you're awake and your mind is, your mind's racing. And um, I remember looking at a, at a, <coughs> at a graph one night and it had, um, it had confirmed, and I, I just needed to scroll, which is like hindsight's a funny thing. Um, one side said confirmed cases, and the other side said deaths, um, and that's just right, what I like. Yeah, that's right. what I was just looking at. You know, I'm like, okay, you either live, you recover, or you're gonna die. Um, yep. You know, a few days later, I figured out that if I scrolled, it had recovered cases down there. That was like that was a bit more. Oh, that was <laughs> didn't quite make it far <laughs> enough. Didn't quite to, to make the end it there. deep enough on the scroll, Dusty. Um, but you mind? You know, there was probably a like I found out on I found out on a Thursday, and then the Friday and Saturday were my my worst days. Um, yep. Symptom wise, feeling wise, mental like my mental state as well, and like now reflecting, I wonder if that's because um, the gravity of what the news was had hit me. Um, mm. But mate, I I. Uh, it was probably, it was the Friday. Yeah, it would have been the Friday night. Um, I thought, well, there's a chance that this thing could kill me. Mm. Um, and that's like, that's a really, that's an interesting place to go, you know. I'm I'm 31. I've probably got more grey hairs than a 31-year-old should have. Um, <laughs> but, you know, to think about your mortality. Um, yeah. Right, like, right then and there, like that's, um, you know, that's that's pretty confronting. That's that's pretty raw, um, and to sit in that is, I don't, I don't know if not pleasant is the right word. Um, 
but just to to sit in it, you start to think of the things you've done up until this date, the things mm, you want to do re- past this date. Bit of reflection. Yeah, a lot of reflection, mate. Um, and more like, you know, um, if if I was to croak from this thing, am I happy with what um, am I happy with what I've achieved? Am I happy with how conversations are with people? Um, do the people that I that I, I love and cherish in my life do they know that? Um, have yeah. I told them that enough or regularly enough? Um, and it was probably it was the next day uh, I jumped on the phone and um, the old lawyer from Movember, the Godfather, as I like to call him, Jeezy um, can string a good Spotify playlist together. Um, <laughs> I reached out to him and said, "Mate, would you have a bit of time? Can I?" talk to you um i think i need some help and he goes jesus keys what have you done and i said oh mate i've actually um i've got that COVID 19 and i'd love to organize a will and um wow he was sort of a bit i think he was a bit shocked um he's like you're taking the piss i'm like mate i'm, I'm not taking the piss i'm i'm dead serious here what what do i need to do um just to organize this because i started to think dusty you know if i happen to if I happen to die from this, well, my parents would be dealing with that and then they'd need to to deal with selling this place, like selling the yeah. cabin and what do we do with, you know, what do we do with stuff? Um, and I thought that would be, like I didn't think that would be fair to, to do or to, you know, lump that on them um, as well. So, yeah, I organised... Um, I organised that. I, I still, which is which is interesting. Like I still need to, um, I still need to send it back to him. Um, yeah. And then over the the next, well. So you and you're like obviously you're you're recovered now, but that's still something you're going to follow through with and get that all done. Like you're not just going like, oh well, I'll just leave it now. Like mate, hundred percent. Do you think like yeah, one hundred percent? I think um, I think it's just being responsible. You know, like mm. when you have some. Like when you have some so-called assets, how do you want that? Like, where do you want that to go? Or just some direction on, um, because like, it's pretty traumatic. Like uh, my Nana passed away earlier, um, well, early in um, 2019. And, um, yep. you know, like she had everything very well organized, but, you know, dealing with loss and, and grief and, and still trying to do that when things were organized um, is pretty tough. So yeah, I'll still follow through on that. And Dusty, like I picked the phone up and, you know, we've had a conversation about, you know, being, you know, being open and, I guess, vulnerable almost. Um, like I picked the phone up, um, yeah, and, and rang a few mates and um, and asked them if if they'd carry my coffin if I um, if I was to pass away. Um, was this and were these people these mates of yours? They were obviously already aware that mm. you had had tested positive. Yeah. Right, and then like, how, like, mate, how? It, like that's not just an easy, a, a, something you drop in casually to a uh, to a conversation. Like, were you, were you, pretty like can't cool can't? Were you kind of in focus mode of like, all right, need to get my affairs in order and stuff? And when you like had those those conversations, or you you gave them a call? Um, yes and no, mate. Like, um, I couldn't call one of the boys. I I had to do it over text message because I just um. Well, I just couldn't bring myself to have the conversation with him, so I just yeah. just shot him a text, and um, he he sort of laughed and said, "Yeah, like no worries, a hundred percent, of course." Um, 
which is funny now um, being on the other side of it because if you if you do happen to you know pass away of whatever um, in this current state, it's not like you can have you can't have people at your bloody funeral. I think funerals are capped yeah. at like five people. Or um, don't quote me on that, but you know, like my mates that I contacted. They're not. Uh, they're not coming to the funeral to to carry Kiz's coffin. They're not. No, well, they, legally they're if not. They wanted allowed. to. So it's um, you know, it's funny you have these these emotional conversations that leave you a bit raw and um, yeah, a bit a bit bloody vulnerable um, uh, and a bit upset. <clears throat> where you know, hindsight, I, pro- I didn't need to have them because well, they wouldn't be able to 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 attend anyway. But I also think. Um, how lovely that um, lovely is probably the wrong word here, but um, like I'm grateful that I've asked the boys because they know like mm. that's what I think of them. Um, you know, I, hide, I hold them in um, in in such regard that um, yeah, I'd ask them to do that. Um, I had another mate penned down to uh, yeah to to read the read the eulogy or to write a eulogy. Yep. Um, never contacted him though because. Uh, I'd started to feel better, Dusty. Which, um, yeah, just a just an interesting, yeah, an interesting space. And statistics would probably say that you know, thirty one, pretty fit dude, probably smoked maybe two cigarettes in his whole life, and probably just bum sucked him at best. Um, <laughs> so like the odds were, the I, like the odds were you could say on my side that. Like I wasn't going to die from this thing, um, but it's just very interesting when um, you are feeling pretty rough, um, just where your head goes, Dusty. Well, it's you know, there's you can say to someone, oh, you know, and it's something that was th- thrown around a lot in the the general media, mass media, like oh, you know, they talk about death rates and mm. you know recovery rates, and so that's all well and good when you're in the mindset of oh, that's happening to other people. Totally. But if someone was to throw it, like they things that make it real is like okay, you have a hundred of your your friends, and we all probably know a hundred people, mm. and say so one of those people won't make it. That's how this how this thing works, you know. And you're like oh right, okay, and like would you want to bet your life on that sort of stuff, you know, and. You, I know you touched on obviously getting like the eulogy and stuff. I've done an exercise previously where it's not that you get you write your own eulogy, mm. but uh, a visualization exercise where you imagine that you're it's your 90th birthday or your 100th birthday, or whatever, and there's all your favorite people are at your birthday party, and you get to pick three people and you have to write what you would think or what you would like them to say about you like how you lived your life and even that mate like you know not in being in your situation where you're actually faced with actually having to do that or it actually being a possibility but that's an incredibly powerful exercise to do because what you start thinking about legacy to your point before what have you done in your life so far? Are you proud of what you've done? How have you left your relationships? Mm. How are they standing? And what have you, you know, said to people or not said? And mate, it's a uh, it's humbling, you know. Like I, I've I've done that exercise and I got really emotional, you know. And it made me want to think, okay, well, I need to maybe make a few changes or get a few things into action. So yeah, I I can't imagine what it would have been like for yourself and things that you don't normally think about. Like I said, you're a fit young man you know and it's not something you would have thought that would be on your uh, on your agenda no yeah 
definitely uh yeah, definitely not dusty not something that um yeah not something you you think about um yeah not at all and but now you and how are you feeling now mate like we're you know we're for the for those uh, tuning in we're we're middle of april now mm. uh you know 2020 yep um how how are you feeling at the moment mate i got the all clear um oh when did i get the all clear be 2 weeks ago be two weeks ago on Sunday um, that I got the all clear from the health department, yep. mate. Um, and funnily enough, like my parents were dropping groceries out to me when I was on the phone to them. So I was like animated, a um, few fist pumps and they were like dancing madly outside. And um, like I've still kept my physical distance away yep. from my parents. Like um, I've taken the, um, the you know, like if you don't live under that that roof where you sort of don't go there. Um yeah, like pretty seriously, I guess you could say. Um, but mate, I'm feeling like I'm feeling good. Um, I wouldn't say it was like a, a weight lifted off my shoulders when I got the news. It was more, um, yeah. it was, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was just odd. Like I, when I just, when I was like, shit, I need to get tested here. I think you just know things. And I was, I was like, yeah, I've got it. Um, yeah. And then when I started to get better, I was taking, um, taking like little video diaries of just like how I was feeling each day. And um, yeah. I haven't watched them back yet, Dustin. I don't know if I will, but um, I think when I started to feel better, I was like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to be okay. Um, I'm still like super exhausted, um, lethargic and, and tired, mate. Like I'll hang the washing out and want to come inside for a nap. Um, I went for a run. Uh, I went for a run the day they told me like I was all clear. Um and yeah, that that didn't really happen. <laughs> like, yep. you know, when you're recovering from a flu and you you try to do physical activity and it's just it's just not there. Well, that's um, that's what it's like for me at the moment. Um, I thought, okay, running's not working for me, so I'll try cycling. Uh, so I jumped on the road bike and um, did like a little thirty k mission um down to a post box because I've started writing postcards to people, Dusty. Um, just like you're write right. a postcard and. Drop it in the letterbox. So, mate, if I hit you up for your address, don't um, don't think I'm coming to stalk you or something. Um, yep. But yeah, oh, just... but I'll keep. Uh, I'll, I'll wait. Uh, <laughs> wait at the mailbox uh, every day, mate. That and for the invite to this little gathering. Yes, correct. Yep. <laughs> um. So yeah, I jumped on the on the bike to. I just thought I'll oh, well, I'll just see how the legs are um with cycling and yeah they're still like the exhaustion's still there so I've just basically um been going on walks every day mate i've got a, a new appreciation for for walking um and that's that's basically all the exercise i'm doing but i feel like i feel good dusty i feel great um besides that exhaustion there's some some days mentally is still uh are still pretty interesting um mm. the images of the mass graves that were happening in new york that rocked me um yep. got a lot of friends that live in new york and um couldn't help but think of them but then also you know you, you just mind goes to oh shit i don't want to be buried in a mass grave um yeah so that i think that's still recovering a bit dusty to be honest yeah mm. yep the the like, mate to be honest i've been tuning out from the the mainstream news a lot lately and i'd actually totally forgotten that they 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 were doing that like the mass graves mm. and with all respect to all the humans around the planet, 
you know, I often hear that that's only things that happen in third world countries. Yeah, you know, of like yeah, or where there's been atrocities or war crimes or anything like that. Like, but the fact that that's happening in developed nations stuff is is pretty mind blowing to 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 put it bluntly. Yeah, it it, it is. Yeah, it certainly is. And then so so now, like, what's you know what's what's would your takeaway from this bill? Do you think this has changed you in in any way? Yeah, mate. This experience. Um, yeah, it has, mate. It yeah, it certainly has. I um yeah, I and I I tell uh. Yeah, I tell those people that um, yeah, that mean the most to me. Um, I'll let them know how I feel more regularly, Dusty. To be honest. Um, yep. I think that uh, that old she'll be right attitude, and um, you know, I think I think I took a lot of things for granted for a lot of years, Dusty. And um, yeah, I don't take those things for granted anymore. Um, I've always valued my friends and and the friendships that I've had, but. Um, yeah, I've become more vocal, um, more connected than ever, I would say. Um, yeah, has it changed me? Yeah, it's definitely changed my outlook on things, mate, to be honest. Um, there's things I don't worry about now that I used to worry about, um, which you sort of think, well, shit, how did that ever, like, how did that ever, like, worry you, um, beforehand so why, why was that ever a thing in the first place yeah, yeah why why did that like why did i ever lose sleep over that um and you know people say it all the time you know if you can just control your controllables that hmm. you're going to be okay and sort of never really like fed into that or believed that but um certainly one thing that i did during the last little bit was just concentrate on what i can control and I've continued to do that, mate. Like, if I can just control what I control, well, I'm pretty happy. I'm, I'm having a like, I'm, I'm having a good time. Um, you know, like I got up the other morning and um, I've got into this routine of getting up every morning and, and going for a walk. And it's it's deer breeding season out here in, in the Grampians, and yep. um, it's just fascinated me, mate. Like, I'm out on these walks and I'm watching these like big bucks that are like roaring, and um, it was raining and. It, it didn't even like didn't even worry me that it was raining. I just put a jacket on and, and went out. Where like just little shit like that, dusty. Um, like it doesn't worry me anymore. Yeah, well, I think that that's it's awesome to hear, mate. You know that I've I'm not going to say I'm one for mottos or anything, but I have. It comes up a lot in in conversations. Like I think I have a, a pretty good outlook on life, and one thing I've noticed about, we'll say, people in general is they don't appreciate their health until they don't have it, mm. and or you start to get crook, or you know, situations happen. Like you know, tell people you love, and this is exactly one of those. And I definitely don't put you in that in that category, mate. You know, yeah. you're a, you're a picture of health. You know, you love a good chalk milk and oh. a and a good run and you know, a beer a, a, a beer in uh, in moderation. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think you're dead right, mate. There's going to be a real shift in perspective. That everyone will have, like whether they're as closely impacted by this pandemic as you are, or it's at arm's length, or no, sorry, not arm's length. What is it? One point five meters. Um, yeah, I think that's a that's a huge huge lesson, mate, to for people to to take away. And it is very 
you know what? Like I went. I, speaking of like health and things, like the the panic buying that went on. Oh, so mate. this is maybe like three weeks ago, four weeks ago. I thought, hmm, I'll and just before they brought in the rules of the special shopping hours for the elderly. Yeah. Or uh, and I snuck into a Coles. They're not snuck. I was in there. I was allowed to be in there. It was about nine o'clock on a Tuesday. Yeah. Um, It's nine o'clock on a Tuesday. And I've always thought like in the shops, there's all the food and stuff. Then there's like one aisle that says health food. Hmm. And I'm like, if that's health food, then what the hell's everything else in the supermarket if it ain't food that's going to make you healthy or you eat for health? Yeah. Like is everything else essentially going to bloody kill you? And I was chatting to one of the ladies who was uh, the night filler yep. and there wasn't much around. I said, oh, you know, this is a, a lovely lady in Coles out in uh, Camberwell, I think. Uh, shout out to her, whoever she <laughs> was, but she was lovely. Um, and she goes, you know what I've noticed? Like there was no toilet paper, there was no pasta, anything uh, packet-ish related that you would normally want to stock up on if you go, okay, well, it was, was not there. Yeah. This is sort of in the midst of the panic buying. She goes, you know what's interesting she goes, there's stuff that people will load up on, but there's also stuff even when it's a pandemic and like people's <laughs> lives are on the line that people still won't buy. And I can't remember what she was talking about. You'd really be disappointed if you're a, a company, produce some product and it's still, even in panic buying situations, still was just sitting on the shelves and stuff. And I thought that was a uh, that was an interesting take on it. Well, that's like um, when I was in New York, mate, like uh, going into like a Trader Joe's or a, a Whole Foods over there or just whatever the convenience store was and, and just seeing like, not the panic, but just supermarkets smashed and, and gutted. Like I, in a former life, used to um, be a manager with Woolworths and, yep. you know, it just gave me nightmares that these sh- like these shelves were empty. Um, and, you know, you talk about, you know, what's changed and, and gratitude towards things. Like I spent... Um, basically spent 2019 not running because of an Achilles injury and mm. uh, or Achilles injury I should say and you know I running was something that I always took for granted um, and I think I think if I didn't go through that injury I probably would be looking at things very differently than I am now where um, you know every time I get to lace up and go for a run I, I don't take that for granted I, I, I enjoy mm. that because I didn't have it for I didn't have it for so long um, and I think this period of, of isolation and, and physical distancing um, as a whole for the world, I think it's showing people those things that are really important to them. Um, mm. It's Mate, it's definitely teaching people new skills. If I see somebody else baking fucking banana bread on, uh, on Instagram <laughs> or sourdough, fucking Jesus, I'll throw my phone. Um, oh. But how amazing is that? Yeah. Like people are learning new skills. Like if, if we weren't in isolation, we wouldn't be learning these skills. Correct. Yes. Well, I I've learned how to use a slow cooker, which I know is not a not a huge skill. You know, out there. I'm not I'm not exactly patting myself on the back. Yeah. But, what are you uh, cooking in there, Dusty? Mate, the uh, I cooked a dal the other day, which is uh, and the thing is, then you realise like you actually need rice and stuff like to serve this stuff with a lot of the time. So I did like a dal. There was like a. a a black bean Mexican dish situation, which goes well with the corn chips. And as we record uh, right now, there's one that's uh, ready to be, uh, I'm getting some aromas sort of wafting through it, some uh, uh, butternut pumpkin Ooh. situation. But the fact that you just chuck it in there, way you go and dish it up and it looks, you know, like it, uh, it could 
it's edible is a is a win in uh, in our house. But yeah, there's the people coming up with new things to do. But I think that once it, I'm going to say things calm down, not necessarily go back to normal because I don't think that they will mm-hmm. like whatever normal was. But the people when they reflect, they'll come away with things that they never thought they would have and that will stick. And yeah, like you said, mate, new appreciations for for everything that we have or have not uh, as well. But I think running. Running's definitely one of them, you know. And well, you're a you just came back from your your first marathon, mm-hmm. but something I, that I twigged there was you said it was your first first marathon, but you've run ultra marathons prior to that. Like, how does how does that work? I know you're a, you're a serial runner, and it's been a huge part of your life, but that doesn't make sense to me. As someone's like, okay, most people are like, yeah, you know, started out with a with the the. 400 meters or the 800 meters and I went into like 5k's halves and then marathon I said what oh, why are the why are the ultras straight up mate mate I um like I've always I've always I guess like I don't like the term like I've always been a runner I think anybody that runs regardless of how regularly they do it I think I think they're a runner um but I've like running something I've always I've always done and um Mate, I used to belt around the old asphalt uh, track here in Stall in a pair of um, Converse Chuck Taylor Lows was the, the shoe <laughs> of preference when I was growing up. Um, thought I was Christmas when I got my first pair of Nikes from the parents. Um, yep. But yeah, I grew what, up in, were you, what was your first pair of Nikes just mate, they were, out of they curiosity? Were blue, they were a blue, like just a blue running shoe. Um, yep. I can't remember what they were. Um, I can't even Google the buggers, but every time I see that blue, it it reminds me of them. Um, yep. My second pair of Nikes were a pair of uh, basketball Nike flight shoes that um, Ooh, yes. mum and dad picked up on sale um, for like 90 bucks and made a... Uh, you know, this is something to reflect on. Like, I wore those shoes out. Like, my toes are almost coming through the bottom of the buggers. And um, something we don't really do anymore these days is, like, wear things nah. out so they're, they're properly dead. Um, but, yeah, track and field background, raced 800 metres all through, like, high school. Basically, I was pretty comfortable running anything from 100 up to, to 5K. Um, yep. Was lucky enough to have some success in the 800 metres as a junior, um, yeah, winning a handful of state championships, um, was yep. in a VIS development squad and represented Victoria um, a handful of times. Oh, wow. Um, yep, the big V. The big V, mate. Um, yeah, go the big V. Um, nationals were always a hoot, you know, like there's nothing better than beating someone from New South Wales or, or Queensland. Um, yeah, we didn't really worry about Tassie or ACT or WA Dusty, no offense, mate. <laughs> <laughs> we're always... We were always worried about, buddy. Um, yeah, Queensland and New South Wales. Um, and then I, I, after high school, like I still raced track for a year after that, but um, I think just fell into a, a groove of, you know, being young, like 18, 19, had a girlfriend. Oh, no, I don't really, I don't need to, like I don't really need to run as much as I used to. Um, and then I more just like uh, ran to, to stay fit, I guess you could say, and, um, didn't really race a lot um, for a couple of years, and I spent three summers working in America on a um, like a waterfront program as part of like Camp America um, up at yep. um, up in the state of Maine on on the Belgrade Lakes, um, bloody beautiful part of the world. And we're out on this hiking trip um, to Mount Katahdin. It's the the highest mountain in in New Hampshire. Um, yep. And we had to come down and 
and cook this barbecue for the kids that we'd, we'd taken out. Um, and I was part of like the waterfront staff and, and not part of what they call like the pioneering staff. So basically all, all my role on the day to do was just be with the, like the campers that I was, I was looking after. It was my bunk that were out on this, this hike. And um, yeah, the pioneering staff said, oh, you know, we're just a bit worried about timings. Does anyone feel like running back to the van um, to like get the stuff out and start cooking? And I threw my hand up and I was like, yeah, I'll, fuck, I'll look after this. Um, and <laughs> mate, I just remember having such a good time running down, um, running down this mountain and being on single trails and, and just really, um, just really loving what I was doing. And for the first time in a long time, um, I was like, yes, this, like, this is running. Like, this is that feeling I, I used to get, or like I, I still get, and I still have, I just haven't like, haven't been doing it. And, and when I came home from, um, that summer, I, I just, I started running more out in the Grampians. Um, I started looking at trail races as something I wanted to do. Um, I just became like a bit of a, a trail running and an ultra nut of just consuming everything I could get content wise. Like I was buying DVDs because that was the only way that, um, yeah. his videos were getting put out and, and, and whatnot. Um, and then the idea of running a hundred was always there, right? Like running a hundred K it was, was pretty intriguing to me. And, and now this sounds silly. Like people are running hundred K is like they're running marathons. So it's almost like hundred K is not, um, it's not something like, like it used to be dusty. I don't, I don't feel like that. Mm. Um, how do you mean? I, you know, like, I don't want to, um, like, I don't want to discredit anything, but, you know, when, when marathoning became a thing, like, everyone wanted to run the marathon, like, that's what we're doing, we're running marathons, and um, now you, you get the sense in, in the running community and, and definitely the trail running community, like, people are running 100K events, you know, like, like they're getting out of, fucking getting out of bed, and, um, yep. you know, one bloke's an example, Chris Roberts, um, yeah, a very good trail runner. Um, one of the nicest blokes you'll ever meet. And he actually helped me through my first 100K race that I ran, um, which was just a foreign concept because he was my competitor yet. He was he was helping and giving me tips on what to do and, and where to run on the trail where um, I, I don't think um, I don't think the 100K is as challenging as it, as it once was. I think it's um, maybe lost a bit of its... Um, yeah, maybe lost a bit of its shine, you know, like a lot, a lot yeah. more people now are doing 100-mile races or, um, you know, 200-mile races and, and, and bigger stuff because I think people are consistently wanting to push the limits for the limits for them, you know. Like um, yeah. for my, my old man, like 5K would be a huge achievement for him and um, which is, is amazing that like everybody can, can have a goal within running Dusty. Um, but yeah, I... I always wanted to run a hundred K and I guess I didn't have um, not the motivation, but I didn't have the pull to do that dusty. And um, when I first got back from working at um, this summer camp in 2000 and um, in 2009, yep. uh, I was meant to, I was meant to be moving in with um, moving in with a friend of mine. Um, and for the people that, you know, the people that know me, they, they probably know this story. Um, but yeah, I was meant to be moving in with a, a, a good friend um, by the name of Watto. Um, Mark Watson was his name. Um, I was introduced to him first as Watto, and remember the first time I um, the first time I ever met him, I was I was walking out of a country race meeting. I'd, I'd not long moved to 
moved to Ararat. I, I moved to Ararat for a little bit um, when I was working with with Woolworths. I actually lost my yep. license, Dusty. Um, so I had to move because I, I didn't have a license. What for, mate? Tell me you ran out of points. Oh, mate, I'd love to tell you I ran out of points, but uh, I was definitely going a little too quick where I shouldn't have been. Um, right. Okay. Yes. Very like very silly boy. Um, but I yeah was moving. Um, well, had moved to Ararat, and we were walk, walking out of this this country racing um, meeting, and I was walking out with a mate and. I was probably overdressed, Dusty, to be honest. Um, <laughs> no such thing, mate. No such thing as being overdressed. <laughs> so I'm, I'm rolling out and this this big tall fella, like he's, I'm not six foot. Like I'm I'm on the cusp, mate. If I put put a pair of boots on, I'm, I'm on six foot. Um, but this bloke, like Watto, towered over me and um, had like a, at the, at the time a bolt through, um, through the top of his, like his nose, like where his eyes are. Yes. And I just remember this. Oh. Yeah, like... <laughs> Why the hell would you ever want to get a piercing there? But um, anyway, he, this random bloke just sort of starts like giving me lip and lipping me off for um, like the suit I was in. And he was in a pair of flip flops and um, just having a bloody good time and um, just like giving me lip. So I was giving it back to him, um, jumped into this taxi and anyway, went into town um, to this pub and geez, I'm showing a fucking different side of myself here, Dusty. There was a, uh, a huge line to get in, mate. And uh, anyway, there was a nice bit of shrubbery that I thought, oh, if I can just, <laughs> if I can duck into there, um, probably probably be a lot easier on the bladder, mate. I'll duck in there and have a quick whiz and then jump back into this line and hopefully get in the pub for a beer. So anyway, I jump into the bushes and start to do my business. And I'd gone home in between um, and gotten changed, gotten out of a suit and, um, I'm in the bushes and I hear this like noise behind me. So I turn around and here's this bloke that was just lipping me at the races. I'm like, oh, like not a situation you want to be in. You've just been, you know, chucking a bit of lip at a bloke. He's been giving it back to you. You've now basically got your, your pants down <laughs> and fucking here he is coming through the, like the side of the bushes. So I like finish the business and just say good day to him. And he's like, oh, he's had a change of, change of costume, has he? I'm like, yeah, mate, yeah, quick change, yep, yep, quick change. And uh, anyway, we we get into the pub and he's sort of in the pub and he was with like a like a, a mate of mine and um he walked past and I stopped and I'm like, mate, I'm I'm Kieran and, and introduced myself and he goes, Kieran, he goes, Kiz, I'm like, yeah, mate, and he goes, oh, I'm best mates with Batchy, who's um who's a guy that uh that I worked with at the time and actually the, the godfather of um, his little son, Bobby, uh, which is, which is yep. amazing. And um, so Alan and, and what I were best mates and he goes, Oh, Alan's been telling about, telling me about you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He says you're a good bloke. Do you want to get a beer? And I'm thinking, Oh mate, I'd love to get a beer. Um, so basically from, from that day, what and I were um, pretty much in, inseparable. Um, Yep. I'd always have the back door of my house open and I'd, I'd come home from work and he'd be in there playing the PlayStation. And um, there was a, a stage there where uh, I was riding a poker, Dusty, Texas Hold'em. Um, yes. Played like a lot of poker and um, sort of taught what I had to play and um, was playing pretty regularly down um, down in Melbourne. So we'd jump in the car after work, drive down and and play. And um, yeah, the security guards got to got to know us so well that they'd ask how the drive was from the country. Um like which was like a really just a, f a fun time and um 
like a, a good time to share with with Watto looking back on it now and um yeah it was it was two weeks before I was meant to move in with him and I was at work um one night and two friends came in Dusty and um they said to me uh, one had just come back from America actually and um, I hadn't seen her and I was trying to quiz her on how her trip was and give me the details and um they were both crying and sort of stopped and I was like, what's what's going on? What's what's up? What's what's the matter? And they said, Have you heard about Mark? And the name Mark didn't register for me because I'd mm. always always known him as Watto. Um I said, Mark, I'm like, what are you talking about? And they said, Have you heard about Watto? And I said, No, I I saw him three hours ago. He he came in. Um so he was a chef. Um and we used to love going going in there when he was working because you'd order a palmer and you'd get two stacked on top of each other or you'd order a steak and you'd yep. get two steaks. And he'd always just look after you like that. Um, I said, no, I've just, I've literally just seen him hours ago. He, he came in, bought a packet of smokes and I've just seen him. What do you mean? Have I heard about him? And they said he's taken his life. And I remember standing in that, in that aisle in the supermarket just breaking down dusty. Yeah. Just I had tears rolling out of my cheeks and um we were all just hugging in this um in this aisle and I was the, the manager on duty and I'm thinking, Jesus, like oh, I've just been run over by a truck, like that feeling and yep. I just thought of Alan. Um you know, like this is one of Alan's best mates and I remember I jumped on the phone and called Alan, um so I don't think I'd I don't think I'd believe the news that was just delivered to me. Yep. And I just in a bit of shock. Yeah, in a, I'd say in a lot of shock, Dusty, to be honest. Um, and yeah, when when Alan picked the phone up, um, almost like the COVID clinic, you just know, <laughs> you just you know what the answer is going to be when um, someone's on the phone, and that was the first time that um, I'd ever experienced death, Dusty, outside of. Um, outside of my family and, and somebody that was yep. a very similar age to me. Um, it was the first interaction that I've ever, I've ever had with um, with suicide, with depression, with anxiety. Um, yep. And that really that really rocked me, mate, to be honest. Um, just felt, uh, yeah, felt really lost as, as most of us, um, as most of us did. Um, and how old were you at this stage? Uh, I would have been 21, Dusty. Yeah. Yeah, I would have been 21. Um, so that that Movember, um, a group of us decided to grow moustaches. Um, same group of us grew them the year before. Um, in 2008, we didn't sign up. We didn't register. We didn't fundraise. Um, all the things we at Movember love you to do. Yep. Sign up, register, raise a buck, start a, start a conversation. Um, we certainly started a lot of conversations um, within our, our friendship group when, um, when Mark died by suicide. Um, and then, yeah, 2000 and that November in 2009, we all signed up and, and raised a few bucks. Um, and I thought, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll run from Hall's Gap to stall. Like, what's that, 30K? Yeah, we'll, we'll print some singlets up and we'll sell some, we'll sell some space on singlets to local businesses as, as sponsorship opportunities and um, a friend and I um, 
actually, yeah, we, we ran from Halls Gap to Stall, um, raised a couple of bucks, and um, like every year after that, we'd, we're all, we'd always like grow a moustache. And, um, you know, the, the group of mates of us that um, uh, were friends when, when Mark died, um, our friendship just intensified where it was never something that was like really spoken, but we were just, we were there for each other. Um, you know, no, no topic was off the table. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, a few years after that, um, Dusty 2000 and 2012, um, I was at, um, yeah, I was at my, my then girlfriend's house down in, um, down in Melbourne. Um, I was still living in the country. We, we met over at the summer camp, um, and it was a Sunday night, and I remember we were sitting on the couch watching 60 Minutes. Like, you're in your 20s. What are you doing watching 60 Minutes on a Sunday night? Like, yep. come on. Um, we were watching- should be bloody hung, hung over or something like that. Mate, or, or, or should know, be out having a few, norm. yeah. Yes, correct. <laughs> um, and I jumped up, um, went to the bedroom and checked my phone, and I had like 48 missed calls on my phone. And I just looked at it, and I was like, geez, that's odd. And I like, they're all from the boys, and... For a split second, I was like, huh, I'm watching 60 Minutes and the boys are obviously out on the gas somewhere having a wow of a time. Mm. Like, <laughs> they're having a ripper. Um, and then I listened to a voice message and it was my friend Lee and Lee just said, you, you need to call me. It's about Liam. And um, Liam was like a really good friend of um, really good friend of ours and I was introduced to Liam through, um, through a group of mates um larger than life character dusty um same as watto um would yep. fill a room with energy and laughter because he was bloody mischievous um whenever he was in there and liam had um had some chronic fatigue and um yeah was was battling um some mental health issues um and yeah lee was calling to to say that um that Liam had, had taken his life. Um, and I, like, I just, you know, same thing again, like just, just shell shocked, um, shattered mate, you know, like here's, here's a did, group. Did it make you go back to like, to reflect on like what I like, did you go like back and, you know, have, you know, obviously like the similar, the similar feelings and stuff, but you were just like, were you thinking anything else of like, how can this be happening like again or is it you just sort of focused on the on the fact that you can't get your mind past like your your mate who's just taken his own life you know like i just i thought like where have we where have we gone wrong you know like in the short space of a few so you started looking like at yourselves or your friendship group and what and like questioning that or examining that yeah and i think that's probably natural dusty with something like suicide because um there are like so many unanswered questions, I guess you could say. And I just, you know, like we'd increase the conversations we were having. We would, you know, we were checking in and, you know, we were, we were doing all the things that we thought we should be doing. And then, um, yeah, for this to, for this to happen. Um, and again, you know, like a bloke in his early twenties. Um, and I remember when, when Watto, um, when Watto died, I thought, oh, like we're we've just we're like twenty one and twenty three, like the world's like the world's at our feet. We you know like what what's what's so bad that the the best solution is to to take your life. And mm. I remember um, 
a group of us all just um, just went down and saw Liam's partner the next day. Um, who's she's a, she's a lovely lady, Belinda. Um, lady, she'd probably like she'd probably hate me saying lady. Um, but yeah, she's <laughs> just like she's just a ripper. Um, Foy and um, yeah, Foy and Liam um, have a daughter, um, Layla, and I remember being in the backyard. Um, yeah, being in the backyard and, and Layla was on um, was on Foy's phone and she was scrolling through the photos and she like stops on this photo of Liam and just points and goes, Dad, Dad, where's Dad? And, um, huh. and mate, like, thank goodness we all had our sunglasses on because I was just, like we all were. We were all just, we are all like, Howling, mate. Um, yep. And Foy just picks Layla up and she's like, Dad's in heaven and um, just handled it like a, a rock star, Dusty. And I think that was the thing that really um, put a rocket up all of us, to be honest, to um, just to do more, um, to do more and to to be more for each other. Um, and did you, did you know what that looked like? Back then, like to, when you say do more, like okay, like mate, it's like you know, do- it's so it's like I was going into I was going to secondary schools, um, and like rotary groups and 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 talking about the importance of staying connected. Um, yeah, like this is back in 2012, and like no training, just we were trying to as a group of mates, we we're just trying to figure out, okay, so. If, if blokes can just stay connected and, and keep talking to each other and to be there to listen, to open up about, you know, whatever the issue may be, well, like that's that's got to do something. Um, and then that was that's the real reason why I um, – well, that was the push that got me to run 100K, Dusty. We, um, we were walking out, of, uh, walking out of Foy's house and I turned to my mate. Um, I turned to my mate and said, yeah, let's run 100K, like – let's run a hundred K and, and raise some money um, this November. Like let's, let's do it. And he sort of looked at me and laughed. He's like, I'm not running a hundred K. I'm like, I don't need you to run a hundred K. I just need you to sit on a bus and I need you to get out and I need you to run as far as you can with me throughout the day. And um, there was 15 mates, Dusty, that, that jumped on this mini bus. Um, and we started, we started out near, uh, out near well the other side of Dunkeld um, in the Southern Grampians and over the next 12 hours mate we made our way from out near Dunkeld all the way through through the Grampians through Halls Gap and um, and into Stall and I think this is uh, maybe a good reflection on life I think you can achieve anything Dusty with uh, a good group of people around you there's no way I would have um, there's no way I would have run that hundred kilometers if it wasn't for for everybody on that bus and for the people in the support cars. I had written everyone a, a little letter um, and sat it on the seat on the bus with their name on it for when um, for when they started because the bus joined us. Um, I think it was like four hours into the run and my mate Tommy Cashin, um, footballers Bill Dusty, you know, a bit of a big unit. Yep. Um, yeah, definitely got a set of pipes on him. Um, not built for long distance running. <laughs> um, but mate, he punched out 21Ks um, with me before the bus joined us. Um, and then like to see, a, to see a group of mates just 
put themselves through the ringer um, as you were doing the same thing to to get you to the finish line. Um, you know, those people that were part of that journey, Dusty, like if they ever ask me for, for anything or to do anything for them, I'll be, I'll be there in a heartbeat. And um, one of those people was actually um, Rach Murphy that dropped some groceries out to me, Dusty, um, a few weeks yep. ago. She, uh, she ended up running like 55 Ks, mate. Um, she'd never run, um, she'd never run over, I think it was like 18 or 21 K before. Um, but she ran 55 K. There was a, a patch there where, um, I was just, I was rough, dusty. Like I, I'd done two 30k runs in the lead up to to trying to run 100 because I was running around trying to fundraise and organise things for the event and didn't have your normal training <laughs> schedule for something like that. Mate, it didn't safe to say. I uh, I stupidly thought that running would be the easiest thing I'd need to do in this whole thing, and I was just trying to fundraise and get conversations going. And um, the the whole idea around it was if we could get if we could get one person to throw their hand up and, and my idea around this hasn't changed um, from growing a moustache, if we get one person to throw their hand up and, and say they're having a bit of a rough trot or um, they need a hand, then then we've done our job. And um, we thought if, if we can captivate the local community um, by, by watching like a, a group of young people, you know, put themselves through a bit of hardship, well, maybe that might give, um, you know, might give the bloke who's about to go through his his last round of chemo um, a bit of hope to to keep the fight going. Or if somebody that was uh, mentally having a bit of a tough time, Dusty, um, if they saw that, maybe that might spark them up. And the local community was so amazing. They um one of our one of our sponsors for the run is the the local harness racing club, and we finished the yep. run um, at uh, it's like one of their biggest harning harness racing um days so there's a lot of people there um and mate like a thousand is probably an exaggeration but it felt like the there's five thousand people in the town um it felt like the whole town was out like lining the streets mate um the closer we got to to finishing the more and more people that we saw out supporting us on um on the journey and um i remember i mate i i was broken um at the time, I was like right into this barefoot running and I was in a pair of like zero drop shoes and um, didn't really know much about nutrition. And one of the boys is a nurse and um, he and another mate had, had come back from, might have been like summer days or there was a festival. So they were they were hung over as hell, these blokes, um, but they were still running. And I remember I stopped to go to the toilet, Dusty, and I had the sensation that I was weeing, but actually nothing was coming out. And um, my mate Trent, um, he sort of was like, he was watching me and he goes, did you do anything? I'm like, nah, not a thing. <laughs> and he goes, when was the last time you think you weed? I'm like, oh, shit, man, I couldn't tell you. He's like, righto, get these into you. And, um, mate, I can't drink yellow Powerades. Like, I sucked on those for, for 12 hours. And, yep. um, like, probably not the best drink to be, to be drinking when you're doing, like, um, endurance like that. It, it tends to just throw you up and then drop you pretty quickly. And um, yep. I drank these two Gatorades and, Stopped five minutes down the road and um, went to the toilet and I remember he was watching over my shoulder and, mate, it was just such a deep, like, deep red, deep orange. Um, like, oh. it was... I was super dehydrated, like, it was no good. And yeah. um, I think we all were. Like, we, we didn't really know what we were doing. We just had this idea of what we wanted to do. Um, and, mate, it was amazing when we when we finally got to the finish and um, I, I was walking dusty. Um, I was just, mate, I was, I was ruined. Um, yep. And I remember one of the boys turned to me and said, oh, mate, 
I think you better run. Um, there's a lot of people down there that are waiting for us to get to town. And I just looked at him and I said, nah, mate, I'm not running. Like, it, I'm totally okay with people seeing me broken because the main yeah. thing is we're still going. We're still like, we're still trucking on. When We might not be moving as quick as we were at the start, but we're going to get there. And um, there's a lady in town that um, her husband had prostate cancer and um, she would always help us fundraise. And I, I remember her hugging me when I when I got close to the finish and, and she was in tears. And her husband was right beside her, mate. And um, he threw his hand out and, and, and shook my hand. And I thought, you know, that... That this is this is what this whole thing was about, like starting a conversation and, and um, yeah, maybe doing some doing some good, mate. I think you touched on something pretty pretty huge there. Is like you weren't worried about looking good, mm. and I think that's uh, it. That's a path that a lot of people go down that get into situations where they're making comparisons or they're not feeling great about themselves and wor- like even you talk about, you know starting like conversations with guys a lot of the time it's not it's not because people don't want to look bad they think mm-hmm. or, or more so just like look weak yeah. or look like they don't have it together which is all you see portrayed in the world is like these ads and advertising and messaging saying yeah have it together if you don't have it together you should have it together and that's i think that's that's a, a major point in it as well like no one actually wants to wants to admit when they're actually having a bit of a struggle and I I find it like and we've had many conversations like about this and I'm I'm quite passionate about mental health you know particularly my own but mm. also that of others and I'm by no means a, a mental health expert but I think it's like anything else I, you <laughs> you know you know like like anything like say your physical health mm. you know you know if I've I've played enough sport I've done enough exercise to know when something's not quite right I'm like well this in my experience x y and z done this and then i just you know a bit of a rest or whatever it may be and i think it's very similar with the approach to your mental health and i've seen you know there's a lot of times where people are you say you know you, you go into a room and say oh who'll be there for you mates yeah i'll be there for me mate you know that sort of thing and like i've the the times i've observed people having a hard time whether that and i've been fortunate enough to not have any of my close friends, you know, take their own lives or suicide hasn't 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 touched me personally or closely in my close circle of friends. And you'd always say, Oh, you be there for your mates and stuff when when the shit gets really bad. Mm. And I think about that and then go, Well, why wait until it's it's really bad? for them to like to be there or to you know, help us like it can be those little things like you might be having a conversation you go to someone when you most how you going and they go oh yeah yeah not bad bit a bit flat rah rah and then you go oh anyway let's talk about the footy or bloody drinking or gambling or yeah. girls or that sort of thing they're the little check-ins that where you normalize I, I think it can be normalized and say I'm actually struggling a bit at the moment oh okay that's no good tell me about it mm. you know and not feel like you have to solve it and stuff and Rather than it be a you're there when it's like a big deal, but you know it become normal to be talking about the ups and downs all the time, not just the the peaks and the troughs. Yeah, if you know what I mean. Oh, mate, I couldn't agree more. And I think um, <clears throat> I think sometimes as um, as blokes, and I I don't want to give us a bad name, Dusty, but you know, like <clears throat> we're not um, 
you know, we're not the best at, at talking and we're not the not probably the best at talking about the stuff that really matters and, and, and talking about our feelings and um, our feelings and our emotions. And um, I think sometimes when you're in a conversation, what um, what people tend to do is, you know, I might say to you, Dusty, how you going? And you're like, oh, geez, mate, I'm fucking, I'm having a shit one. And you're like, oh, yeah, but geez, did you see the pies? They got belted on the weekend. Where yep. I think the, the person... Um, that potentially is on the receiving end of, of that conversation just needs to sit in that and just, oh, okay, tell me why. What, why is that? Um, and, you know, like most things, it gets better with practice because that, awkward, that awkwardness is, is awkward. Like it's awkward for a reason and it's awkward because yeah. you're not doing it regularly, right? Um, yes. Like shit, I remember when I was teaching myself how to skateboard, like I was awkward because I hadn't done it before. Mm. I, you know, it wasn't until I'd, I'd done it a couple of times that I got comfortable doing it. And those conversations become more comfortable the more you sit in that, that awkwardness, Dusty. You're spot on there, mate, like sitting in it. Like I have a regular group of, of guys and they're not, they're not good friends. They're guys, it's an organized group. We get together and we just have a yarn like once a week, you know, on a Monday. And the one thing we like with that we don't do is you don't sit in, and accept like the awkwardness and we just want to get rid of it as soon as possible. And I think that's quite prevalent now is that a lot, you know, mental health in this, this age of the pandemic we're in, mm. I think is just as important as the, you'll call it physiological health of people because yes. we're isolated. Yes. We're connected with zoom meetings and FaceTime, mm. but it's never, it never, it never makes up for what, you know, being in person with some, but we're sitting with ourselves. We have to look at ourselves, and we've got this time to think and time by ourselves, mm. which can be a a very daunting thing. And we don't necessarily we feel uncomfortable, so then we we push that away. And that can be people might drink, they might go to the movies, they might watch Netflix, they might do drugs, whatever it may be. We have this way of medicating ourselves away from this bad stuff. Or normally it would be we'd go travel or we throw ourselves into our work but mm. when we don't have that available we just need to sit with it and we would it's not natural for us because i think our bodies as humans where whether it be our brains or whether it be our other parts of our body we're set up to protect ourselves and like oh this feeling is not nice my body recognizes that i'm going to find a way to make it feel better yeah and that can be through all those those measures you know and that's what we're so used to doing but the 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 value and it's not easy is to sit and accept that discomfort or the things feeling a bit awkward or whatever it may be, you know? Yeah, and even too, um, like on that, Dusty, you know, like we're in this um, we're in this stage of, you know, physical distancing and, and isolation, right? Like um, now more than ever, um, I think mental health is getting um, a spotlight shined on it. Um, you know, if we look at the work we're doing at um, at Movember, um, you know, we'd it's we've released like a, a little five a day challenge. Um, there's a lot of push up competitions out there. There's you know, run five, donate five, and there's a lot of this stuff happening. Um, and we've got this challenge out there, which is literally connecting with a mate for five minutes. Like, take five minutes out of your day to to connect with a mate. And um, I think that's why I'm starting to send postcards, Dusty, because it's just something different. It's a different way to connect with people and. Um, quite often you'll you'll go to call a mate, and very rarely will you just sit on the phone for five minutes um, to have that to have that conversation. And that's one thing that I found um, 
recently was how important that connection is. And um, interestingly enough, uh, the feeling that I would get when somebody would message me or my phone would ring where I would, I would love that. I'd be like, oh, yes. Especially when I was in the pits of COVID, I'd be like, oh, somebody's, yeah. at, somebody's thinking about me. Like that's, isn't that lovely? So, you know, you, you might think, um, you know, when you work, it's like, oh shit, instant message or, oh, someone's chasing me for this where it's like that, my thinking around that's now changed. It's like, oh, they're actually thinking of me. Therefore they've like reached out and, um, you know, take that onto yourself where it's like, well, you can be that, that positivity in potentially somebody's day by dropping them a text message or reaching out yep. and, and giving them a call. Um, Dusty. I don't think yeah it's the little things mate that little little check-ins you know it's it, I suppose it's becoming well well documented and but the the thing I find that is it's all it's as you know it's easy to to sometimes click and share and retweet and those sort of mm. things but the the hard part is yeah actually getting on the text or getting on the phone and having a, a conversation for no reason. It doesn't need to be for just to check in on people. And I think we're getting there, you know, and you're you're more in that work on the daily with, you know, working with Movember as well. And, you know, I don't know if we've turned the corner just yet, but the fact that it's, I, I think the the wheel's slowly turning with guys becoming more comfortable in in sharing everything, the, the good things, the bad things and, yeah, I, I said I'm, I'm in that work regularly. Like I like mm. to check in on my uh, on my mates, and I'm not necessarily good at it. Like we've the the conversations that you and I have had is mm. everyone wants to be there, but sometimes we don't know how mm. to be there. So it's like, well, it's a bit bit awkward. I'll just yeah, and to 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 admit when you don't, but knowing that you don't also have to have the answers, but it's just being there as part of it. Like you said with your mates on the run, the fact that there was just people there you know, to to check in and be there, not necessarily solve whatever it is you're going through. And I think that's the other, the big piece um, in that as well, Dusty, you know, like um, when I reach out to my mates, I'm, I'm, I just, I want someone to listen. Um, and I think when you, you're sometimes on the receiving end of um, a conversation that somebody might be having a bit of a tough time, like naturally you, you want to wrap your arms around them and you want to solve those issues. You want to, Right. Mm. What can I do to yeah. help? How can I help? What what can I do to 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 get you better or to get you out of this situation? Where sometimes the best thing for you to do is just to sit and listen. Correct. Because the the person that's sharing wants to share. They want to get it off their chest. And you know the work that you guys do at Lululemon around connection um, and purpose, like you you get this stuff, Dusty. Yeah, well, it's not. Uh, I'm I'm very lucky to have been been in that work and. And have people around me who are like understanding, like Dan Shinners, mm. one of my best mates. You know, Jeez, he when I, good I lived with him, he? he did. Yes, Jeez, that was well. That was blonde. yeah. I think got some uh, got some inspiration from you blokes mm. at uh, <laughs> with your blonde moustaches. Then his went blonde, then his hair, and he, all next minute we're dressing up as wrestlers. Yeah, it was and, unbelievable. You know, was have you still the, got those belts? Oh, he he might have the championship belt and thoroughly deserved, I should say, <laughs> at that point in time. And I haven't had the courage to to hit him up to uh, to try and uh, try and take it <laughs> off him uh, just yet. So yeah, but um, yeah, is that and you're obviously you ended up uh, at Movember. Like, how long have you been at Movember for now? Uh, this is 
this is year number five working for the Harry Factory. Um, but I think yes. this is my 11th year growing a moustache, participating. Um, it was really funny after... Um, like our our Movember community, that is, that is Movember, right? Like, it's yep. community is the heartbeat of everything we do um, at Movember. And after we did the the hundred k um, back in twenty twelve, Movember reached out and um, I put my phone number down on the registration form and and the landline. I was living with my parents at the time and had these phone calls from Movember uh, and these voice messages saying, "Hey, we'd love to just check in and." Mate, I ripped all their logos and put them on posters and put it on like singlets for the day. And I, for some reason, I just thought they were calling because I'd pinch the logos. Um, yep. So I didn't call them back, mate. I just, I just ignored it. <laughs> and then uh, they called the home line and, and spoke to mum and and they said, oh, well, mum did. She's like, oh, November's been calling. You you need to give them a buzz. And I was like, oh, Jesus. Um. So I called and um. They arranged for me to go down and and meet the team at, at Mo HQ and met our CEO at the time, um, which I was like blown away as the first CEO I'd, I'd ever met. Um, yeah. And then they got me back on a Friday night to to share my Movember story about why Movember meant something to me and why I was passionate about it. And I guess from there, you know, like um, as all Mo Bros and Mo sisters are, they're they're part of that family, and I very much felt a part of that Movember family from um, from my first interaction with them and, and those people that first reached out to me are still at November today and I get to call them friends and and colleagues and um, I guess like just started a bond with the guys and a few years later I was I was fortunate enough to win a um, uh, all expenses paid hiking trip to go and hike the Kokoda Trail um, on I think it was the oh gee I'm gonna get this wrong might have been the hundredth anniversary or seventy fifth anniversary of um, of Kokoda. Um, yes, and part of that was to do it with Kurt Fernley, which was an amazing um, an amazing experience. And I won that through I won that through November, um, which was pretty incredible. And while we were out in the jungle um, in conversation with Kurt, I remember he said to me, "He's like, mate, why don't you why don't you see if you could work for November?" I was redundant at the t- or was made redundant at the time, Dusty from a role and. Um, he's like, you know, you seem very passionate about Movember. Why don't you, why don't you try to work for them? And I'm like, well, it's a, like it's a small organisation. Jobs don't really pop up very often. And then he said, oh, you know, if you want a, um, if you want a reference, like put me down as a reference. And I was like, oh yeah, cheers, thanks, mate. Didn't really think anything of it, um, but started a wonderful relationship with with him and um, a, another, well, two friends of his, Sharky and and Colin and. Um, I got home and Movember reached out and said, hey, we've got this position available. Would you be interested in applying? And, you know, just sometimes when the stars line up, like this was a time that the stars lined up and, um, mate, I, yeah, I sound silly, but I don't feel like I've worked a, a day in five years, but I've bloody worked my guts out because, um, you know, they, they say, what do they say? Like, if you enjoy the work you do, it's not like you're really working or something like that. But, um, yeah, I, I feel... I feel privileged and honoured to be able to work for a foundation that I'm so passionate about that is really leading change um, in the men's health space, but the area that I'm most focused on and passionate about in the men's mental mental health space. You know, we were talking about conversations before, Dusty. Um, the conversations I have with my old man now are totally different than the conversations I had with him when I was in my, you know, my early 20s. And, um, yeah. you know, if I, have, if I have kids one day... Um, 
like I, that'd be amazing. I'd love to have kids. And the, the conversations that I have with my kids um, will be different than the conversations that I've had with my dad. And I think um, as a society, I think we're, we're definitely moving in the right direction. Um, and that's because mental health now is a topic of conversation that multiple organizations are, are feeding into that um, are feeding into that conversation around mental health where um, it's now something that is quite openly spoken about it's it's no longer taboo I remember when um, mm. I was younger and, and cancer was um, you know people wouldn't use the C word they like cancer was something that you didn't you didn't really talk about um, where cancer is now common day conversation Um and I feel like mental health is is now that that common conversation that people are feeling better having the conversation around that workplaces are more understanding around it. Um, I still think there's work to do um, for both guys and girls in regards to to having those open and honest conversations um, with each other, being vulnerable, sitting in the awkwardness. I, th- I still think there's work to be done there, but I think we're bloody on the right the right path, Dusty. Well, there's, mate, you've, you're spot on there, and I think the work that that you know Movember does, and I should say, you know, Movember are not a sponsor of this podcast, nor am I being paid to, to sing their <laughs> praises. Um, we are looking for sponsors, though, so you know, spread the word. But um, there, you're right, and the where, as I said, trending in the right direction, I think, mm. and the the important thing is, it's be, you said it's becoming normal. And the more that people do share, the and I say people, not just men, like women, yeah. all that sort of thing. The more that people do share the struggles they have, or you know, the fact that they're working on. Because you said, like, you talk about like many years ago, you know, cancer or you know, being like a, the c word that no one wants to talk about. You know, mental health still, I think, you know, still has a stigma to it mm-hmm. uh, as well. But is yep. is once we, the more we understand, the better we get at talking about it. And I've found the more people share about, yep, I have, I have my moments. Like I, I feel sad. I struggle. I experience symptoms of like depression, anxiety, those sort of things. The more they'll find that people can relate to that and go, you know what, I have those. I, I feel the same way or I have I can relate to that and then all of a sudden it becomes a normal conversation just like you would you say oh I've got a I've got a a sore back or yeah. a sore hip or I've got a cold or I've got COVID-19 whatever it may be you, you go and you, you first you talk to someone about it and then you go and get it you you seek treatment or you you get into action about working on your mental health like you do your physical health and yeah, I think we're. I'd like. I like to think we're on. That we're on the right track. I, I, yeah, I. I definitely think we're on the, the right track. And I use. Um, I use like the, the country pub here. Um, that's been a big supporter of, like my personal, November fundraising for a lot of years. And, um, you know, like I'm now one of the old boys at the pub. Um, <laughs> when I come home, and, you know, you just listen to, um, not creepily, but. You overhear conversations that, that blokes are having at the pub. Um, you know, freshly faced eighteen year olds in there having their first their first tin to older blokes, and quite often the conversations that people are having are, um, are not convos that are about the footy, but they're actually diving a bit deeper into stuff. And um, I think that I think that's yeah, I think that's great, Dusty. And that stigma around it is 
is slowly starting to yeah to to dissolve and um made half the reason why I'd, half the reason I reached out to you mate to to um yeah to talk about COVID because that's that's something that there's going to be stigma around mate there's going to be judgment yep. around those people that have tested um tested positive to it um and the only way you get over that is is by talking and um mm. yeah like um oh, it's not like it's it's not easy to talk about um and i was talking to my parents about this the other night um that you know when i when i talk about uh why i'm passionate about movember um it's like it's it's hard to do to talk about two mates that have um have have taken their lives but you're not um you're you're telling their you're telling their story and and how you have played into that a, a tiny bit um I've sort of been tossing and turning around talking about um, my experience with with COVID because that's that's me. This is like this is something that I've gone through. It's something that um, is is still um, yeah, front page news, and um, there's certainly some some stigma around that. There's there's definitely um, some judgment around it in the community, and um, I thought about it for a while, Dusty, um, and and uh, yeah, when I saw you had the yarn with with Maddie, it's why I reached out, mate. I, I thought, you know, you could um, you could sit and not sit and not talk, and um, the conversation around it might not happen, or it might it might just be it might take longer to start. And um, mm. I thought, you know, like I don't know anybody else. Like I personally don't know anybody besides me that has got COVID nineteen. Um, yeah, I know what the numbers are. There's like 2 million people who have got this thing. Um, but I couldn't say that it's like, it's John down the road or Sarah on the corner. Um, like, so maybe for me opening up and talking about this, maybe somebody hears this dusty that goes, huh, I'm in the same position. I've just, I've just got my test back and it's, it's positive. And, um, maybe this can, Maybe this can be some some lighter news than the news that we're seeing around COVID, mate. Well, it's you, mate. You you're one of the more relatable blokes that I know, and the only person I knew could recall who had it was bloody Tom Hanks, <laughs> and not like lovely bloke. I'm sure never met him, but he he's not exactly like relatable. You know, he can hop on his private plane, go home, probably. You know, afford the bloody yeah. respirators. Not that he needed one, but yeah, it's not it's not relatable. Yeah. And the fact that I appreciate you sharing with me today, you know, the the journey that you went on and your experience from it. And I think there'll be a lot of people out there. So I don't, and that's why I was pretty keen to chat to you, is because I don't know anyone personally who's been impacted by this, and also who is in that category of like a, a you know like. Most of the people I know were young, relatively healthy. You know, in your case, you know, very healthy, and yeah, just what it's actually, what it's actually like. And I think the you can we can go a long way here to, you know, I, look. I don't want to cast dispersions. People like, you know, maybe they turn off the news and they tune into this and hear it firsthand from someone mm-hmm. who's not being an alarmist about it, being a realist about it, and. And just saying this is exactly how it is and a bit of common sense approach 
and also compassion to it uh, as well, which I think you've done, mate. And I think that's um, there's a big piece there, Dusty, in um, in the com- the compassion part, um, and people being, you know, like people being kind, and um, you know, maybe people looking at the right source of information instead of what they're seeing um, on somebody's Instagram story or rolling across um, Facebook or a news headline and and learning, um, maybe educating themselves a little bit about like this thing that is, is captivating the world and not just reading headlines around it. Um, you know, it's very much, yeah, it's, it's part of this um, coronavirus family that um, is not too dissimilar to a flu. And, um, you know, how many people do you know that will, will get a flu in a winter? You don't look at them any differently. You don't treat them any differently um, no. than you know, the next person. And I hope, Dusty, that, um, you know, I, I, this probably comes from me a little bit um, and more so for um, for other people like, yeah, I've got a bit of a thick skin, but um, we're all human. And I hope that, um, I hope the, the realisation that, um, you know, just because somebody is, has tested positive um, doesn't mean that they're, they're forever infectious, mate. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and it's yep. just like some some education um, around that for, for people. Well, I think, yeah, and there's a lot in that as well, mate, because I think there's, given the, 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 the story that goes around with like where, like, and I'm talking globally here mm. as well, like where there's been impacts, where things started, where they're going to finish, there's going to be a lot of, stigmas uh, judgments you know dispersions cast on people and and i think the more we know about what it actually looks like on the ground and knowing that your mainstream media are going to choose to sensationalize whatever they can mm. we say but this is what it's like on the ground i think that's the that's a real that's that's the real conversation so yeah and, like, and now that you're you know you're you're through that like what's What's next for for Kizza? What's next for Kieran Ryan? Like, you, are you going to get back on the back on the training? Like, I know you yeah. had a uh, an ultra race planned for later this year. Like, what's what's the next six to twelve look like for you, mate? Mate, I um probably like most people, like I can't wait for this um can't wait for this isolation period to end for for everyone. I, I certainly know I'm I'm bloody missing throwing out a few high fives and, and getting around. Um, getting around people, I've got this uh, this race planned in August, the Leadville 100. It's like the second oldest ultra marathon in um, in America. Um, it's in this tiny silver mining town, uh, not too dissimilar to Stall. Stall's a gold mining town, but I can't see that our borders will be open. Um, that I'll get across there to race it, even if it if it does go ahead. I also can't see it going ahead, Dusty. Um, they're going to give us four weeks' notice if the race will go ahead or not go ahead. So. Um, mate, as soon as I get over this exhaustion, it'll be back into the training. Um, yeah, back getting the, back getting the K's up, um, and just, just enjoying, and this will sound like so fucking cliche, but, um, just enjoying life, mate. Um, you know, like it's, it's pretty bloody good. We're pretty lucky here, um, in Australia, you know, we, We've got a great healthcare system. Um, we live in a beautiful country. We have a world of opportunities um, at our at our fingertips if we're willing to to chase them and and go after them. Um, yeah, mate. The next twelve months, hopefully, I've 
hopefully um, I've run another marathon. Um, yeah, a lot of running um, and maybe just some more life stuff, mate. Um, yeah, I realized mid-COVID that there's some things that, um, yeah, some things that I'd like to do that I, I sort of haven't haven't done um, or if I want to do, I sort of need to get a wriggle on. Um, so, yeah, the next six to 12 months, mate, more running. Um, like uh, like most people, I guess, Dusty, that exercise, and you can relate to this, I'm sure, there's just something very calming about exercise that um, I find when I'm running, I can think about everything and I can also think about nothing. Um, it's almost my form of um, my form of meditation because I don't have to sit still. Um, so a lot, a lot more of that, a lot more family time, a lot more time with uh, with my friends, mate, and just um, yeah, enjoying enjoying life. Oh, it's great to hear, mate. I think you. I love your outlook. I love the way you go about it, and I'm very proud to call you a friend of mine, mate, and and stoked that we could we could have a chat. And I appreciate you coming on the Dusty Allen Show. And let's say, well, it's 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 only our second one, but uh, I think the the term is appropriate. It's been a marathon uh, a marathon episode. This one, we're almost clocking over two hours, but and I could I could chat for for hours more. But uh, I I appreciate you coming on, mate, and you sharing your story. You know, being vulnerable and being open. And I don't think this will be the, the last time we'll see you on this podcast, mm-hmm. but I want to uh, thank you for coming on the show. Mate, thank you. Um, mate, thanks for the opportunity. Thanks for being so understanding. And, and thanks for, um, yeah, thanks for bringing something to to people's ears, mate, that are, is is something different. It's, um, it's refreshing. Like it certainly made me smile when I, I saw your mug pop up that you're doing a podcast, mate. So Thank you for giving people something um, different, something engaging, and and bringing people's um, people's stories to life, mate. Like it's uh, it's bloody interesting, mate. It's uh, it's my pleasure doing it. You know, there might be one person listening, might be two, me and you. That might be it. But I <laughs> mate, definitely enjoy doing it. This. Don't worry about that. Perfect. There's three. There we go. <laughs> I might even see if I get me mum to, to download Apple Podcasts and uh, and give it a crack. But, mate, thank you very much. And I look forward to the next time we can catch up and like it'll be in person and maybe having uh, having a cheeky one off the wood somewhere. Mate, I would love to have a little frosty boy. Beautiful, mate. Well, look after yourself. Take care and we'll, we'll chat soon. Thanks, Dusty. 